This is the Property Solopreneur Podcast, and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy-to-let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes, and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode and property sourcing. If you are a property sourcing person, do you actually know what you're selling? It may not be as obvious as you think. And I think one of the reasons I want to talk about this this week is that the market has changed. There are distressed properties coming back on the market. This is going to be a fabulous time to be a property sourcer. Now, I know that property sourcing works because I did it myself. It brought in large and quick chunks of money into my business that I could use for deposits for refurb costs. And I could do it without either having to buy the property, and that always takes time to do a flip, or to have a JV with someone. Actually, the reality meant that for some of my buildings, remember I was buying in Stoke-on-Trent and they were cheap, definitely cheap, these buildings. Some buildings I bought, I could use a sourced fee for the deposit and then the sourcing fees would do the refurb costs. And if I'd bought it on a mortgage, there wasn't actually that much of my own cash going in. It was a sort of do-it-yourself, no-money-down deal. Lovely. Now, because some of the properties that I was doing, because I was building multiples, meant that I bought them with a mortgage from day one, did them up, had them revalued, so I knew roughly where I was. But I didn't do anything more about getting the money out until it had come to the end of its fixed deal. So the reason why I did that was because I wanted a nice blend in my portfolio of those that were well or quite highly mortgaged and those that weren't because they were bringing in amazing cash flow because cash flow is what you need when you are growing and scaling. And it meant that not all of them, but quite a few of them were creating amazing cash flow for me. Remember when I started, the interest rate was not at an all-time low or even the low as we are now, and we've had several rent rate rises. It was actually quite high. So sourcing meant that I could have an extra form of income coming in that just offset all the problems I had with finding enough cash in the deal to make sure I could get the loan to value that I wanted. Sourcing. It was therefore a pillar of my business. I absolutely loved doing it as well. It gave me people time. You know, it was how I could keep all my balls in the air. I paid myself with it, ran my company. I helped buy my properties. And of course, it also meant that I was building an essential cushion for when the good times come to an end. My parents owned investment property during the 70s and 80s. And to them, it was always about the bad times. So they'd instilled in me the fact that bad times come when you least expect it. But if you've got a cushion, they won't be a problem. Now, if you've never been a sourcer, it's very easy to think either, why do that? It all sounds like so much effort. Or, yeah, I get it. It sounds great. But isn't that actually a different business to the one that I'm in, in property, building my own portfolios, and probably not me? Well, I come back to the question, which is, what are you actually selling, not what's in it for me? Because I think that is a key point in making you understand just how absolutely brilliant property sourcing actually is. Well, what's in it for me is a given, isn't it? It's the cash flow. It's big chunks of money very fast. What you're actually selling is something you've got to be uber clear on. 
It's what the buyers are going to respond to. And it's very, very tempting to think that that, the thing that the buyers are responding to, is the deal, the figures. That's what you think the buyers are all fixating on. And I think actually for the huge sourcing companies, that's a fair statement. You know, the big companies you see who are advertising on TV for people who are in desperate trouble, going to have their houses repossessed, all that sort of thing. I sell houses fast is another one. But you know perfectly well that they just are receiving this huge number of houses and they need to offload them as quickly as possible. It's just a commodity to them. It's buyer beware. And the sale is just about the discounted property. But that's not the same for us. We're solopreneurs. That's not how we operate. We are sourcing properties for two reasons, generally only two reasons. One, because we're adding them to our portfolio or our flipping business. Or two, we're selling them on to other investors for profit, either as a source dealer or as a JV. And the sweet thing about all of this is that you're doing those two ways anyway. You can't be a property sourcer if you have absolutely no interest in sourcing properties. And if you're building an asset base or you want to work with JVs or flip, you're going to be looking for these properties anyway. And the truth is, when you found one, you'll find three. And how are you going to choose between them? And why not money from every single one that comes along? And the thing about property people who are working in property and selling is they've got a reputation. Really, really important. Reputation and the fact that you've got the knowledge to find these great properties that fill the criteria of your clients. And fill your criteria of your clients is a really key thing because not everybody's clients are the same. They all differ. And so what they're buying into is you, your ethics, your abilities to work with vendors or estate agents, your knowledge of an area that they want to invest in at investor information level, not the estate agent. You ask why an estate agent thinks that a property is a good thing to buy, and they'll probably start talking about double aspect windows and period features. Not of any interest to an investor, is it? They are the buyer of your deals, are buying into the fact property was sourced by you not fish for through advertising, that you will have sieved through a huge number of properties out there. Interestingly, often you will find a property in an estate agent's window with ideal for investment that hasn't sold. Because if you ask the average estate agent to explain what ideal for investment is in detail, they may be a bit thin on the explanation, but you know what makes a great investment property and you will be able to explain to them very carefully because you've got a standard method of discarding those that don't meet the grade and of then putting the information into your templates, which is easy to read, easy to digest. So they're also, your deal buyers, buying your organisational skills. Yeah, they are. You may think you're the most unorganised person in the world. You know, the sort of person who permanently breezes out of a house, clutching, you know, something to drink and, and your key cars and all the rest of it. You just don't know where they are. But actually, if you're not organised, then nothing is going to happen. So if you are finding that you are able to marry deals and buyers and you're getting them through to completion, you're pretty organised and that is what people are buying. They're also buying your ability to keep very good records and to be interested in them as a buyer. You know, They as a personality. Now, you don't have to be their best friend. But to be a great sourcer, you've got to know who these people are so that when you have the deal, your systems will allow you to release it to them and they will get the reservation fee to your bank account within minutes. Now, that doesn't actually have to be a text or an email. 
some of the most successful sources I know don't have a huge number of buyers, but they know their buyers really well and they will be picking up the phone to them several times a week, just touching base. And trust me, when they pick up a phone and go, I've got this perfect deal for you, that's about as far as they go before the person just goes, right, what are the numbers and where do I send the money to? That's what I mean about knowing that you're not going to waste time cold calling people or trying to persuade someone who's not in the market for a flat to buy one. Know your market. And with that comes trust. That's something else they're buying from you. That's what they're buying. Trust, I have to say, comes with personality type because we won't trust everyone. And there are buyers for every different type of saucer. Now, I'm just going to bounce off too. The loud, shouty, bouncy property saucer. You've met them. I'm sure you have at every property meet. They whirl about in a cloud of excitement and admiration. And everybody knows about them. They are omnipresent. They're all over the social media. And their email system sends you copious touch points, which can either be lovely or you hate. But then there are the quiet sources. Opposite end of the scale. Now, they're not interested in having a vanity matrix on their social media. If you, know, if you look them up on Instagram, they really don't have huge numbers. They're not bothered by that because the people they work with know, love and trust them and buy them. They frankly haven't got the time to faff around doing sort of silly stuff on the side, they think. You know, dealing with people to them is all rather exhausting. So they sieve their buyers in the same way that they do properties. Just you as a buyer won't notice you're being sieved out. It's very clever. They've got clear lines of working. And as a buyer, this is one of the things that really draws you to them. You like their confidence, their predictability, the directness and the non-shoutiness of it all. And it's the trust that builds between the sourcer and the client that sells the property. Nothing more. You know, we as the sourcers get far too into the weeds of a property. You know, we've been in it. We've touched it. We've got to know it. We've done the figures. We know what's wrong with it. It's become a very real thing to us. To the buyer, no, nope, it's still just words and numbers on a piece of paper. Yet they want to invest money in a property in a specific area. That's what they want. They want to be able to read the detail sheet quickly and understandably. And they want to deal with someone they trust as not only are they buying something actually that most people, if you think about it, only buy once or a couple of times in their lifetime, but they're also paying for the privilege of shopping with you this way. So, Because don't forget, they're going to pay you on top of the price to do all this. And some deals are quite pricey because long term, they are going to make a lot of money out of it. So to them, you're not just Rachel Troughton, the property sourcer in this instance. No, you're the magic ingredient. You are the glue that binds together the vendor, the agent, the buyer, all the legal work, and who gets it from A to Z with the minimum of effort for the buyer. The more the buyer has to do, the less lovely it becomes to them. So are you clear on your USP, your unique selling point? And to do this, stop thinking about the properties that you're finding and start thinking about who you're selling to. Because I often meet people who say that they are sources, who will say, I buy semi-detached buildings and blah, 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 with a yield of X, Y, and Z. Well, I don't know if that's actually going to fit my criteria. But if you say, oh, I'm a property sourcer and I, my clients are, I'll probably know straight away whether I fit into that bracket. And I say this because I sold mainly to current and ex-military whose language I spoke. I understood their lifestyle and I knew that I had to fit in with their timescales rather than go, if you want to play with me, you have to dedicate yourself to it, all my rules and regulations. Well, I could ask them to do that as long as I had built my rules and regulations to sound as if it was theirs. Sounds a bit topsy-turvy, doesn't it? But the reality was that I realised that by doing that, they would buy me time and time again because I had made it easy for them to do so and they felt comfortable. 
Now, of course, that isn't how I started. You know, it's all very wise for me to say this after the event, but that isn't actually how it all started. I went on a course and I listened to the chap on the stage who basically said, this is how you do it. It's the only way. If you don't do it this way, it won't work. So I spent a lot of time at the property meets and wherever I met someone interested in what I did, talking about how to join my circle, how much it was, what it did, why you needed to be in it, otherwise you'd lose out, blah, blah, all those things. You've all heard them. Now, my pearls of wisdom started to fall, well, they fell very quickly upon totally barren ground. And I spent a lot of time doing this, feeling more and more dispirited. So I just gave up. I went back to just talking at property meets, et cetera, about where I worked, what I worked with, and the fact that I had customers who bought from me. End off, didn't elaborate any further. And I quickly gained traction because questions were then asked who I worked with and why, because I hadn't just, you know, sort of bombarded people with information. They wanted to know more. I'd left them wanting more. And interestingly, with every question that I was asked, I was able to work out what it was that I actually wanted and needed to provide for my clients. Because you've got to remember, I was not the only person sourcing and selling deals with Stoke-on-Trent. I was one of many. I was by no means the cheapest either. And I was by no means the person who had the biggest below market value deals in Stoke. In fact, I discovered much later that the agent who I predominantly bought through had a whole bag of deals. They never showed me. They only sold them to my direct competitor. And they were very, very cheap deals. I wasn't bothered. Why? Because I'd actually explained very carefully to my agents that I worked with what my customer wanted, therefore what I wanted. And these properties were very, very cheap. They had amazing below market value price tags, but they weren't where I would buy. And one of my USPs, if it didn't sell, I would buy it. Why would I buy something in an area I didn't believe in? Just because I could probably just quickly move it off my shelves. That wasn't me. That wasn't my USP. And I still stand by the fact that long term, those properties were not great for hands-off investors who never went to Stoke. They were great for local hands-on investors. And there were a lot of those. You know, the sort of landlord who gets to his car and drives around the streets and has, oh, look, there's a problem. I'll deal with that now. Who can nip a problem in the bud, who could see where the problems were occurring with local bad people moving in and all the rest of it. But that's a financial disaster for remote landlords relying on letting agents because the letting agent only deals with something when it's happened. They're not proactive. They are reactive. Nothing wrong with that. But it is a problem if you're a remote landlord. It would be a financial disaster for a remote landlord whose understanding of property investing is only the, you know, the sort of uplifting and get rich quick stories you hear about from speakers at property meets who never incidentally seem to have a problem or a disaster or, you know, lose money on anything. They get a slightly distorted impression of what it's really, really like. So I concentrated on finding the deals that my clients would find financially rewarding, properties that they could understand in areas that may not have the top ROI figures, but were steady eddies and they were bringing in really good yield and great cash flow. They loved that. They liked being able to see money in their bank at the end of every month. Basically, properties that wouldn't frighten the horses. Trust me, there was a big market for that. All these things my investors could understand. They could know, like and trust. These were the things that as a property sourcer, I was selling. Because remember, actually, finding a property is not rocket science. It's really quite simple and anyone can do it. It's just that most people don't. What makes the property sourcer special is the ability to package the whole thing together and then to have found and nurtured the investor who will get 
or text, email, phone call with a deal sheet and take your word on it that it is what you say it is. And then they will go, I'm not going to faff about it at all about this. I'm going to move the money straight away to the reservation fee. And within seconds of you releasing it, you've been paid the first part. You've got a definite sale. So you don't have to spend the next week basically flogging around all the bazaars trying to get rid of it. Looking back, I don't think I ever discussed the property in depth with a client before reservation. You know, once it was theirs, earmarked as theirs, and they'd sent the fee, often they then would want to know more. Well, why wouldn't you if you were buying something? But what they were learning was of interest. It wasn't to make or break the deal. And the other thing I sold was reliability. I did what I said I was doing. I delivered the property. I micromanaged every process along the way from renovate, reservation right the way through to completion and beyond if, I, if that's what it took. And I assumed that my investors had busy, chaotic lives. So I got the paperwork signed and delivered to me. My solicitors or their receptionists knew me and would quite happily just allow me to take the paperwork out and get it dealt with. I made it impossible for my clients not to do what was needed. Early on, again, I learned through a problem. I had a customer who loved the whole property investing thing. He was a dream customer on paper. He really was. Lots of money to invest. He could have paid for properties in cash without a blink. The problem was he just could not organise his time. You know, deadlines. Whoa, what are they? They came and went. I would visit him and the deadlines that I gave and he agreed to would come and go. So he forfeited his first £1,000 of renovation fee because he just couldn't follow through. But I gave him a second chance. He was such a lovely chap, very good at begging and, and, and explained just why it had gone wrong and how it wouldn't go wrong again. Well, he forfeited the second thousand pounds of reservation fee too. And then he went on to my veto list. But the great thing is, is that I learned a lot from that. And so did he. So it isn't something that you can do overnight without adjustment and tweaking. And if you love the idea of property sourcing, but you're stuck and you know that the property sourcing income stream is for you, but somehow it's not working, well, why not send me an email? All the details are in the show notes and let's have a free Zoom call to talk about how I can help you with this, how I can support you and keep you accountable so that you can make all the money that you need to through deal sourcing. And if you're not selling on the deals that you don't buy, you're leaving that money on the table because you're doing that work already. You need to get yourself paid for it. And of course, the other thing is, if you're not selling those deals that you're finding and not using, you're actually not helping others to reach their property owning goals because you're not helping others to buy them. And that's one of the things that I think the property world's very good at. It does always encourage other people to do it too. You don't find people pulling up the ladder behind them when they're working in property. So as a property deal sourcer, what are you selling? You're selling USP. Have you found it yet? And have you decided what it is? Are you living by it? Are you delivering what you say you are? Because you will have found a tap if you do all of this that can fund your property dreams. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist.